Welcome to the Adventure Audio Podcast. This episode, we have a really exciting interview for you, one that we've been looking forward to getting set up since something really big happened in the world of endurance sports just a couple of weeks ago. Leah Goldstein won Ram outright. She is a Canadian woman and won the race across America, which is historic. They also had an absolutely crazy year with a really blistering heat wave that affected most of the race course and uh, Leah tells us all about it but she also has a really amazing background um, working in the Israeli military and also becoming a world champion kickboxer so uh, like I say in the episode it's like somebody who's lived multiple lives very very inspiring person and we're really honored to have her on so big shout out to Leah Uh, thank you very much for spending your time with us and um, and the Big shout out to all Leah's sponsors and her crew who made that incredible effort happen. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company, and they want to tell you about their 6061 All Road, which is a all around killer bike. It's absolutely incredible, incredible value, and just super fun. You can get it with 700C or 650B tires and wheels. It comes with an 11 speed one by drivetrain and disc brakes. You can learn all about it at statebicycle.com. And if you use code Adventure Audio, which is all one word, you'll get free shipping from them as well. They have also all kinds of cool apparel, single speed bikes, fixed gear bikes, uh, you name it. Check out statebicycle.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the Black Bibs. It's theblackbibs.com. They're, they are home to unbranded and affordable cycling apparel. The Black Bibs is where you can get the now legendary $40 bib shorts plus ultralight jerseys in solid colors. The Black Bibs, I love. Great people, super cool, great gear. Um, they are making me a custom Everesting jersey, which I will be attempting in the next uh, month or so, which is really, really cool of them. So big shout out to the Black Bibs. Lastly, the podcast is brought to you by Richie Logic. They've long been synonymous with dirt, and it's even more true today than when the company began nearly 50 years ago. They're manufacturers of gravel components like the fan favorite Venture Max handlebar to the all-new Outback frame set. They're still the master of all things dirt. You can check them out at richielogic.com. Uh, thank you to Richie. I just put some of their bars and stem and refreshed my cock- cockpit on my 6061 State All-Road bike, and it's absolutely riding sweet. Thank you again to Leah Goldstein. We'll get on to that right away. And thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you on our podcast. Well, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. This is great. Are you, are you home in Vernon right now? Yeah, I just finished my quarantine like yesterday. So that was like prison. <laughs> so yeah, in Canada, you still have to quarantine either in a hotel or at home for two weeks, right? Two, so, oh, wow. Wow. You know, so where do you have to do that? Well, I live in Vernon, British Columbia. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, so you just stayed home? I stayed. Yeah, I Kind of yeah. snuck out at four in the morning for some rides, but you know, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shouldn't say that. You know. uh, is it smoky up there? You got some wildfires? Oh, yeah, there? you, you yeah. might hear the helicopters above, right? We oh, are, wow. It's pretty close here, like it's yeah, it's like fog, you can barely see, like you know, 20 oh. feet. Right so, yeah, that's not good. No, not good. Are you at any, any risk of evacuation right now? Um. About 20 kilometers, which is what, I don't know, 11 miles or something, um, they're being evacuated, but so far not, right? So, you know, you have to be on standby just in case, right? Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Well, if, if we may, I, I would like to, to 
reverse the timeline a little bit. We obviously want to hear all about your Ram win. It's absolutely incredible. I've been following along with Ram ever since I first heard of it because it's so crazy. But you have we've had a few guests on our podcast who have done some things that have nothing to do with one another, and it seems like they've lived multiple lives. And you're definitely in that category of people. Yeah, <laughs> you've yeah. done. I mean, you've done three or four things that would be worth having you on our podcast about. And you've done yeah. them all in one life, and it's pretty amazing. So, just just tell us about um, where you're from and how some of your adventures and how that sort of morphed into what seems like a bit of an obsession with uh, endurance sports. Um, well, yeah, endurance sports started way later. Like, um, I grew up in Vancouver, and I got into Taekwondo, mostly because I was bullied in school. I had a lisp, a little bit of a learning disability. So I started Taekwondo. I got really good. At 12, I was a junior national champion. Then I discovered kickboxing um, at about 13, 14. And the coach beat me up, basically, and said, you know, you know, because I was Taekwondo, it's more traditional. So he turned me more into a kickboxer, and he said to me, you train hard, 17, you world champion. And at 17, I was a world champion, undefeated. Um, but my goal was always to work for intelligence in Israel because I knew that was that kind of ran in our family. So that was kind of on my radar. So I left Canada at 18 and I joined the IDF, the Israel Defense Force. And that's where I worked for um, Base 8, which is a military intelligence base. And I was one of the first female instructors to train the commando, your Navy SEALs equivalent. Um, and then I worked for the Belouche, which is an uh, internal spying agency for about 11 years. And during that time is when I was kind of introduced to the bike, but through the sport of duathlon, because there was no cycling really, you know, it's a little itty-bitty country. And then when I left the Belouche um, to work um, outside of Israel, I started to go to pro cycling. Right? So then I raced with the national team for about 10 years. Um, and then I saw Ram on television when it used to be televised. I said, damn, I got to do that race. It's more suited for me, right? You know, just with military background and being able to stay awake, you know, for multiple days, um, really push yourself beyond your limbs. It was more kind of my cup of tea. And so I retired from pro racing after 11 years and I transitioned to pro, uh, sorry, into ultra endurance. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. So when you, when you when you first saw Ram, that's a great point. Actually, I never even thought about the military connection and and sleep deprivation. But that's oh, absolutely a super key skill, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was in training, um, they, we were, I was selected with from like three hundred and forty recruits, right? Because they kind of recruit; they know everything about your background. When they interviewed me, they knew everything about Canada, about my sister, about my home, about my bedrooms in my house. There's nothing, they want to see how honest you are, you know what I mean? And things that, you know, you're not saying. Um, so anyways, in that recruitment, um, it went from 340 to 150 to 15, down to six of us, right? And we would go through intense training where, you know, they'd get you up at three in the morning, you'd do these treks for 20 hours, you'd go back to your barracks, they'd say, okay, you can rest now for 10 hours, they'd leave. Five minutes later, another commander would come and turn on the lights, get back out again, right? So this is how they kind of messed with your mind. Yeah. You know, so if anything sounds, you know, too good to be true, it's not going to happen, right? So that's kind of how they, they play with you in, in, in that regards. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult in that respect, but you can transition that into what you what's involved with Race Across America, right? Because, you know, it's not the, just the physical. That's why there's kind of more of an even playing field with men and women. It's your mental. Like, it's it's 40% physical, perhaps, and then 60% what's going on upstairs, right? Because you're tired, you're exhausted, you, you know, you're, you're aching, 
you're you're burnt like in this case the, the temperatures of 115 fahrenheit for not just through the desert i mean it went through utah through illinois through kansas right to the finish you know um it was insane that that kind of i mean i've never experienced that even in the desert you know, when i worked in, in the middle east right you know we get cooled and but you know you have 12 days to finish the race that's why in this ram only three of us finished right barely <laughs> right yeah, I did notice that there are a lot of DNFs, right? There were even teams, you know, and teams yeah. where they're not out there, like, you know, they can rotate yeah. riders, right? So, I mean, it was just incredibly, I mean, I can't even explain to you how difficult it was, right? And yeah, just to, and the beating your body takes from going through that, right? You know, but you got to, you got to, you got to figure it out, right? To, like, to cool your body. And thank God I had a great crew that was really, you know, really um, creative with getting new ideas and keeping my core cool in order to survive those, especially during the, the extreme heat between one and five o'clock. Right. Sure. So how much did you pivot your plan, your, you and your crew? How much did you, like, as you lead up to the race in the beginning, you, you're, you're obviously realizing within a few days that, like, we're going to be doing this thing through a historic heat wave. So how much stuff did you have to change and pivot? to to stack the odds in your favor well actually um i went to borrego springs 10 days before to climatize to that temperature right but unfortunately like the time that i was there it was only like like 95 fahrenheit or 100 i'm in, in celsius it's about 37 38 which sounds hot but wasn't hot enough right then the day of the race like the day that ram started it jumped 15 degrees, right? I mean, I remember descending, it's called the glass elevator into Borrego Springs and I could feel my eyeballs burning. It went up to like 1.15 and it was 7 p.m. at night. And I go, brother, this is gonna be a heck of a race. You know what I mean? It was insane from that point on. I mean, and honestly, it rarely cooled right across the country because there was a, a heat wave, I think, right across the United States, right across, and it came to Canada later, like after I finished the race, that's when, you know, it, here in Vernon, they experienced the same temperatures that I did in the desert, which is unheard of. Yeah, they, I mean, I, I heard there are record temperatures, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, it's, yeah, almost yeah. 50, that's, you know, people, like how many people died in Vancouver, like on the coast, I go there quite often because my parents live there, right? Like 300, because not everyone who has air conditioning in Vancouver, <laughs> I mean, it rains there all the time. You know? So same with here, there's like emergency centers and, you know, animals were dying, old people were dying, people who didn't have air conditioning. It was insane what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to take a half step back, like what, what, so this event that you, you did and you just had an amazing, you know, it was an amazing feat, you know, uh, what, what is race Ram? What is that? What does it mean? And, you know, how do you, what opened your eyes to it? Um, well, I mean, our my, this is my it was my third go, right? I've done yeah. it 2011. Um, then I did it 2019. I was going to do it again because um, our goal wasn't 11 days. 11 days was due to the heat. We wanted to set a women's record of 10 days, um, but you know, after the first day of just you know, here's an example of. To cool myself down, I had to wear like a, it's like a, a sock, like a long scarf. We filled it with ice around my neck and then it's frog skin on, on certain other areas of my skin. And then every like seven to eight minutes, my crew would leapfrog in front of me with a bottle of cold water for me to douse myself, right? 
And if I missed even seven minutes of that, like if they missed or whatever too long, I could just feel like starting to like the shivers, right? When your, your body's starting to over, you know, it's going into heat exhaustion. And on top of that, we had to stop me twice for IV. So you think, Think about how much time you're wasting, right, with all that. And, you know, who can work at their full capacity? So that's why I think I recovered so fast, too, because muscular-wise, I mean, I trained myself for two years for this to go a heck of a lot faster than I did. But even if you talk to the first male who came, this, you know, a day after me, he'll say the same thing. It was survival of the heat. It was surviving ram, not racing ram. Yeah. Wow. So what was the hardest, the hardest part for you? Was it the blisters? <laughs> you know, is like yeah. when your body's starting to swell, right? And everything is burnt. I mean, in Kansas, I was burnt right through my jersey when you know, because you want to change your clothes every so often, right? You know, and so when I was changing my food chief said, What the hell? Are you riding topless or something? I said, No, because that I mean that was the extent of the heat, you know, of how hot it was, right? When the body starts to swell too, you know, and just wearing the compression to, you know, to ease that, right? So, I mean, those were the challenges, honestly. Everything else was fine, you know. I mean, I'm pretty good handling sleep deprivation. Um, we had to cut my sleep down to 90 minutes um, near the end because, you know, it was a possibility that I could win this thing and we didn't want to waste any more time. So something has to be cut, right? Because I wasn't going any faster. So my crew said, my crew chief said, that's it. You're only sleeping 90 minutes every 24 hours. So that was the cycle for the last three days. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a crazy low number, even if you're just sitting around. So yeah. <laughs> 90 minutes is and don't forget, crazy. And prior to that too, like, you know, how we started is I ride the first 40 hours nonstop. And then right. you start the breaks every 24 hours. So we did three hours, which is pretty good, you know, for the first like four days. And then after that, we cut it down to 90 minutes. So you think about already being sleep deprived and then being even more sleep deprived. Right. So it was it was tough for sure with the hallucinations and stuff like that. But when you know you're going to win something, something powers inside of you. Right. That you just want to get to that damn finish line <laughs> yeah i wanted to ask about that so you go into the race with obviously a very specific goal of the woman's record and that's sort of the rest of the race kind of out of your mind that's you have a singular goal at what stage at what part of the country did it start to occur to you and your crew that you had a chance to win this thing outright well you know like the favorite was mark he's from the united kingdom right because he's a he's a nine day or like an eight day around thing and he, he him and i were kind of neck and neck you know um i was actually leading up until the end of Kansas um and when I saw that his you know when he did pass me he couldn't sustain more than 20 or uh, in miles like 15 or 20 miles you know we were always in range and the hardest part of Ram is the Appalachians it's where the you know the hills right it's relentless and that's you're tired and I, that's what my thing I'm kind of a climber so I said if I can keep that range I knew I could give him a good fight at that point right so that's kind of the realization when we saw that when he took off when he, when you know when he passed me that he wasn't putting in like you know 100 miles or whatever we were within reach of each other and I was closing the gap as we got closer to West Virginia right so it was yeah around yeah. middle middle way yeah and it, did you did you feel a, a new a new sense of sort of fire and energy build as that as as you drew closer like it was easier to to keep pushing well, you're so tired, you can't feel anything, right? You know what I mean? But, 
Because, you know, you can't claim victory, even if I am, you know, 20 hours ahead or whatever, anything can happen at any time, right? It's just that kind of race. I wasn't making any victory speech, even, you know, because even like, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen this, but a mile before the finish, I collapsed off the bike. One mile before the finish, the body just completely shut down. My heart rate went up to 200, which was crazy. I could barely breathe. And you know that that runner that crawls across the line, whatever. If I was allowed to crawl without my bike, that's probably how I would finish. But if you look at the, the real finish, not the parade finish with all those people, I'm riding in because it was a descend with pink running shoes because I couldn't clip in and two of my crew members running beside me so I won't tip over, right? That Honestly, that last mile was insane because I didn't think at that point, there was a moment there I thought, oh my damn, I'm, you know, I could lose this race, right? That's what I'm saying. With this kind of race, you just don't know what's going to happen, right? You only can claim victory once you've crossed that line. Impressive. Impressive. So you averaged almost 12 miles an hour for the whole thing. Oh, yeah. 12 miles an hour. <laughs> and that's elapsed time. That's elapsed time, right? Yes, that's including that's everything rest, that. everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, and it's 3,500 miles? No. It's 5,000 kilometers, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And what, 12 states, I think I read, and like 175,000 feet of climbing? Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's impressive. And can you, uh, you were speaking earlier about your crew. Can you tell us a little bit about your crew? I mean, it's there's, I think I read something when you finished, you know, you wanted to make sure it was a team effort. You know, oh, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. if you with this kind of race, you're, you're, you know, you're not going anywhere with your, without your crew sure. having an office. They're the one who's responsible for your, you know, your safety, your drinking, your navigation to monitor you, to get you in the right, you know, areas. Um, of the yeah. country, uh, you know, they're everything, and it's super crucial um, to to have that chemistry too. Because you have nine people that are they're also tired; they're not sleeping. They're normal, you know, six to seven hours or whatever. They're also sleep deprived and tired and exhausted and hungry and eating crappy food. So you can imagine, you know, what's going on through everybody's mind and trying to be positive for me, right? You know, but I'm fortunate enough to have the same crew members um, for all my my ultra races, right? They just know me. I know them. They know how it rolls. We're all experienced. So that's a huge asset in something like this, right? Because you hear horror stories of fighting in there and crew crew members leaving and and crew members leaving the rider with the credit card saying, <laughs> screw you. You know what I mean? Wow. That's happened before. <laughs> Here's wow. the visa. Good luck. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. That's crazy. So <laughs> would you go back and do it again? Oh, yeah, of course. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know really? I'm, I'm really? no chicken, right? But, yeah, I mean... I, you know, I didn't train for an 11 day. I know it sounds great, 11 days, but that's not what I trained for, right? You know, we, we trained for 10 days, like, you know, um, and for me, I still think I've got it, right? You know, I think the power is there. Um, you know, I am pushing the envelope again because of my age, but, you know, I got to give it one more shot, right? At least not necessarily next year. I'll probably do shorter races. Um, because I did three years of training for him. So you need a little bit of recovery, right? Just mental, you know, it's time consuming, as you know, like training 60 hour weeks. So you can imagine that you have no time for anything else. Um, so I'll probably take one year um, just to do shorter races. Then I'll come back in 2023. That's awesome. And hopefully, you know, with a little bit of cooler temperatures, 
there's it's absolutely in play right but absolutely. there's only so many margins that you can take out like how do you chop off another day is it is it mostly sleep or you is is the hope that you could just average a little bit more speed if in cooler temps well, you think about 3000 so even if i average you know you know half a mile more right that would be that, that would cut off a heck of a lot of time right um so it is your speed for sure um it's uh, the stopping too because of the, the heat IV and changing, you know, and just sometimes you just have to sit in a van for five minutes, right? So there's a lot of aspects there of, of your speed for sure. Um, and I think too, maybe, you know, um, cutting the sleep maybe a little bit sooner than what we did, it would be one factor. But I think primarily is, is for sure, you know, it's the time that was spent off the bike because of the heat, right? And that was the only, that was the only problem we had. That was it. Did any other surprises come up for you and your crew throughout it? Well, I mean, there was funny things that happened, not so much funny, but in Durango, there was a drunk guy that got hit by a car and he actually died. Like he was lying, you know, and they stopped the, they cut us off. So we had to, you know, detour, like things like that. Um, in Kansas, there was like about a thousand cows that were passing the highway and, and you know, <laughs> and so you know you have you to, just have to deal like with that. it. Yeah, you just well, yeah, they give you a time credit, right? And then in one part, like I was in the lead, and then the bridge in a part of the course was um, underwater because it had collapsed. So you know you have things like that that just come up. But when you're riding, you know, three thousand miles, things are going to happen, and you're going to see crazy things. And you have a crew chief who's like responsible for. Oh, I know. Okay, so we've encountered this problem, and now we need to do this to make sure that we're within the rules still. Because the worst thing that can happen is have you know you make some innocent mistake, and you have to take a, a DNF because of a technicality, and you've put all this effort into it for you know well, months or years, right? Yeah. Well, you have a a, um, a chip array, so they know exactly your route. So you can't do anything like you know without them knowing. So any technicalities, you have to call headquarters, and they'll give you directions of what to do, right? Let's say, for example, you know, I stopped at one area of the road, you know, um, and then I just needed to, to go to the head to my RV. If I don't come right back to that spot where we put an X, then, I, you know, it's a disqualification, right? They're super picky that way. So you're always in communications with headquarters and they know and they'll also advise you if they know something, you know, but it's not just my crew chief. I have nine people. So always three in my follow car. And then after 12 hours, they rotate to the other three, right? So, but the crew chief is just involved with the whole organization of everything. Cause she can't always be in there. She'd be a vegetable, right? You know, to be, you know, that much, many hours in the car, right? Right, right. But that's, I mean, that's a stressful job. It would really feel like the stakes are very high because yeah. you've got this one shot. You just can't come back the next week, right? You come back the next year. Exactly. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's stressful for all of us for sure, you know, but I mean, with Ram, all I can say is you have to expect the worst, you know what I mean? Just expect the worst that's going to happen. Um, not only physically, but with mother nature, you know, and you have to be prepared for everything, you know, cause we didn't expect this in 2019, they had the worst, um, uh, rain and hail and wind and cold conditions that Ram had ever experienced. Right. We didn't expect that. So for this Ram, I went to Vancouver. I got all the rain gear and I tested Gore-Tex and I came in with the, the full army of, you know, cold stuff. You think we pulled out anything, not one thing, right? <laughs> you know, so, and we didn't know about this heat wave till basically two weeks prior to the race, right? Because it was nice in Borrego Springs. It was like a hundred 
And for the desert, that's pretty darn nice. It's lucky if you can, you know, race in those weather. But all of a sudden, boom, this heat waves come in, severe, you know, heat warning, all basically all across the country. So then what do you do? You race. Yeah. yeah. You, ever Incredible. Doing, you ever thought about doing the, um, the um, Tour Divide? Uh, is that the self-supported one? Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just throwing it's... it out there. I'm throwing it out there. I think, I think, I think that's good. I think that's got your name written all over. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, think about it. <laughs> Self-supported from Banff to uh, the Mexico border. Yeah. Oh. Antelope Wells, New Mexico. Yeah. 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 And, and, nice. and bring and bring bear spray. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I live. Yeah. In I live yeah, in you live. You know what to do with bears. Yeah. Oh yeah, I always okay. encounter a lot of bears out here and rattlesnakes, so it's not new to me. <laughs> so, how has the response been yeah. uh, since you won, and have and how has it served as an inspiration to to girls and women? Uh, well, the response is crazy. Like the media attention has been. I mean, even now, like I'm booked for the next two weeks, right? Especially in Canada, like, every news station yeah. and every magazine even like i'm from israel even israel is contacting right so it's it's crazy um and the funny thing is actually you know we have a documentary coming out um early next year and two writers from los angeles we had a meeting with them you know coming to pitch it and bring that my story to the screen right so it's great it just exploded right it's i mean it's all this right now you know i don't <laughs> until i actually see something in writing right you hear lots of stories oh yeah this is what we can do for you right so anyways yeah i mean i i i'm was flabbergasted even the amount of people that were at the the parade finish i mean when i rode in there i was saying to myself like what the heck are all these people here for i thought there was a concert going on or something you know like, damn this is for me right so it was it was pretty cool i have to admit it was, it was awesome that is really cool. As soon as I saw that, I immediately went and found my almost 14-year-old daughter and I was like, look at this. Like, yeah. This is crazy. So I, I hope that I hope that it's touched a lot of people. It's a pretty incredible story. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You're a huge inspiration. Yeah. Thank you. Fantastic, fantastic story. Really proud of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. And I and I love that you're, you know, and you're 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 not done. You're not done. No, yet. I'm not done. I, I, I love that. I love that. Good. You're never done. You shouldn't be done with anything, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I mean? for sure. For sure. When you're 16 yeah. under, then you're done, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you say shorter races next year, what's a shorter yeah. race? Well, like the sister race of um of Ram is uh, 800 miles. So you know, 500 miles. Those so kind of just to focus a bit more on speed. You know, um, yeah. So th those are like. The Ram is the longest ultra race in, I mean, in the world. Like, I don't think there's anything longer for just cycling. Um, and then they have the the race across the West, which is it's it's the same day as Ram. It's just it just ends in Durango. Okay. Yeah. So where can people follow along on your journey as you continue to do some of these crazy exploits? Oh, and you wrote a book. Where can people find that? Yeah, you can go on our, my website on www.goldstain.com. Um, that's probably the best. Or you can order it off Amazon as well. It's called No Limits. Um, so either or, yeah. If you guys that's want a super copy, cool. I'll be happy to send you guys a copy. <laughs> I'd love to read it. I'd or love yeah. to. Yeah, just, yeah. just uh, email me your address and I can ship that off today. 
Oh, okay, we'll do that. That is that is super cool. Thank you for doing that. Well, we're gonna. Your daughter needs to read it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Probably my sons too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I don't. Know, we always like to ask you know athletes. Uh, you know, if they have anybody. You know, any sponsors they need to thank or. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you're, you you got to thank your crew, right? You yeah, know, my crew for sure. Us, so. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. you're. That's a, that's a good point, um, Tyler. Like KHS has been so generous to me. D Curve, Shimano, um, Hammer. You know, uh, the Weather App. Um, oh, I can't even remember them all. Uh, yeah. Firmware. So yeah, thank you for that. All my sponsors yeah. have been incredibly generous and totally awesome, and I just can't thank them enough. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to following along and, and seeing uh, what else you have up your sleeve. Yeah, Thank how, you. you know, how's the recovery been since the event? I'm actually pretty good. Like I was, you know, I think what took the most damage was my burnt lips and the skin and everything. Sure. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm out riding now. So feeling, I mean, of course, naturally you're going to feel a little bit flat, right? But I think just to get out there and get the you know, muscles moving is it's a good thing, right? And, yeah. It's not good to cold turkey anything, especially when you're doing something so intense, right? Yeah. The body doesn't like it. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, Leah, thank you again. What a pleasure to have you on. It's super inspirational. You. It's absolutely incredible. And we'll uh, we'll make sure to tag you and everything and, uh, and your sponsors, too. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, you guys. It was fun. It was our pleasure. Okay. Thanks again. Okay. Have a great Take day. Care. Ride safe. Bye. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Another big shout out and congratulations to Leah Goldstein for her incredible Ram win. We will be following along with all of her other adventures. Uh, and if she returns to Ram in 2022 or 2023, we'll be watching that too. So thank you again. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. As we always say, uh, you're spending some of your valuable time with us and carving it out. We know there's a lot of great podcasting content out there and everything else. So thank you for choosing to spend some of your time with us and we will be back to you really soon. Thank you.